26th or the 22nd episode of the Red Sox and Filter podcast. I am your host, Patrick Green. So we got a fun, interesting episode for you guys today. Uh, joining me as always is my co-host, Dave Latham. Dave, say hi to everyone. How's it going, everybody? Happy uh, final game of the Houston series. Yeah, it's not been a fun one. <laughs> it has not been a fun one so far. Um, we're actually recording during this game, the Red Sox, the last game, the Sunday night game. Um, it's one-to-one right now. I think it's the third inning. I got it on behind me. So we'll be updating, hopefully, throughout this podcast what actually happens. Obviously, you're going to know the results, so it's kind of pointless to update you. But we're going to do it anyway. Um, so to start here, we're, we're going to recap what happened with the Braves Red Sox, because that was a lot more fruitful. That was a lot more fun for me personally to watch. So, uh, quick, uh, quick, uh, recap here. So the Red Sox swept the Braves Braves, who were the national league East leading NL division winners. Um, so the Red Sox took the first two games, nothing really that notable. I mean, there probably was notable stuff, but not that I have written down. The really, really interesting game came on, was it Wednesday? It was Wednesday afternoon. It was like a 12 o'clock game, which was weird because, you know, you were working. I was in class. We didn't actually get to watch this, which was the most disappointing because this is the best game of the whole damn year. Um, so the the Red Sox were down 7-1. to one, And this I was watching up to this point, but when it became, I think it was the eighth inning, uh, I had to go to class, so I was like, I obviously missed it. And uh, they came from behind 7-1, to one, tied it 7-7, seven to seven, had an incredible rally. Which, okay, even if the, no matter what happens, the fact that they were down 7-1 to one and came back to make it 7-7 seven to seven in an inning is impressive in itself. But then Freddie Freeman hit a home run in the, uh, I think it was the bottom eighth, and it kind of like sucked the momentum because they had just come, they just scored six freaking runs, and then the bullpen kind of ruined it in that moment. But the Red Sox prevailed. Because in the top ninth, down 8-7, Brandon Phillips making his 2018 debut in this game. Brandon Phillips, who had like come from throughout this minor league stint to get to this point, hit a two-run blast with two outs in the top ninth to make it 9-8. Go-ahead home run. Red Sox win the game. Panda freaking monium. It was incredible. It was crazy. I didn't get to watch it. But uh, Dave, can you tell me your thoughts on, what, on, on this craziness that went down on Wednesday afternoon? Yeah, so I am furious at the Boston Red Sox. They do all this amazing stuff. Well, first off, the league should just ban weekday morning games because I can't watch any of them. But um, the last weekday morning game they had before this one, David Price threw those eight shutout innings, and now they go and do this. I miss all the, like, really amazing games. You know, I was actually at work. I was checking along on my phone. I saw us go down, um, you know, 6-1, 7-1 when Palm allowed all those runs. I thought, well, game over. And then near the end, like around 4 o'clock or so, I checked my phone again. I'm like, you know, this game's probably over. Let's see how bad this was. And then I thought it was 9-8. I'm like, what happened? (laughs) So, you know, it's just amazing. And good for Brandon Phillips to be the guy that did it. He's toiled in the minor leagues for a really, really long time this season. He had multiple opt-outs, but he didn't take any of them because he wanted to be a part of a World Series caliber team. He's here now. He's been phenomenal. Um, you know, that one game, he really hasn't had too many chances to play since. But if he can just keep on impressing, he'll probably find his way onto the postseason roster. So I'm really proud of Brandon Phillips. It was amazing to um, see the highlights of. I didn't actually see it. But, you know, 
Great for Phillips, fantastic game. This team just doesn't know the word quit, and I absolutely love it. Yeah, I mean, that's what Socks and Two is for. Games like that. That's why we have Socks and Two, so we can watch that. Um, but I actually wanted to talk about Brandon Phillips a little deeper because Brandon Phillips, obviously, you know, he had that impressive home run, and he's been kind of a guy of interest since they signed him to the minor league deal whenever that was. I think that was July, June. I don't know when the Red Sox really needed infield help. Um, but they don't as much anymore. I mean, it's still going to be interesting because Devers has not played very well the, the hot corner this year. Um, Eduardo Nunez has kind of got hot and cold, and I don't know what to make of Brock Holt. But Kinsler's the staple at second. So I was wondering, is there a spot in your mind, Dave, right now for Brandon Phillips on the postseason roster? So it's going to be close. I don't know how the Red Sox are going to sort it out. It's going to be really interesting at the end. Obviously, you've got Kinsler, Holt, Nunez, Devers, and obviously Phillips fighting for the second base, third base step. You can't keep all those guys on the postseason roster. And one thing that actually really interested me is um, Christopher Smith, I believe, noted, and I'm sure a bunch of other beat reporters did too, but I saw it from Chris first. They saw that uh, Brandon Phillips was actually warming up at first base uh, prior to the Houston series. So that really caught my attention because Mitch Moreland's been in the middle of a really bad slump for Mm -hmm. a good month or two now. I could see Phillips, if he takes the first base well, I could see him maybe taking Moreland's spot on the uh, postseason roster because Phillips is a gold glove caliber second baseman. It's easier to play first than it is second. So, you know, obviously it's a different position. It takes time to learn that. But it wouldn't surprise me to see a guy who's so defensively gifted as Phillips. If he can put together a nice month at, at the plate, I could see him taking Moreland's spot. Yeah, I think this is all going to be predicated on which bat you trust going forward um, with the postseason roster, Moreland or Phillips. Like, I, I saw that Phillips was going to take reps at first, but, like, it didn't cross my mind that maybe Moreland or Pierce could get displaced, but it's it's entirely possible. Um, Phillips has a slick glove, so does Moreland. He's, Moreland's a decorated gold glover at first base. I don't know how much Phillips has been practicing at the lower levels either to get his feet wet. I don't know how hard it is to learn on the fly a whole new position. I don't know. I didn't make it past Little League, so um, Phillips probably has a tall order here but i think yeah phillips's bat in triple a was obviously very impressive that's why he got the call that's why he got the 40-man roster spot he had like 130 wrc plus right there and the competition while different um in triple a and from the triple a to major league baseball it's still very very telling that he could hit that well in that level um phillips has not played in a game since that epic wednesday um home run so we'll see i know you did yeah you probably play first within the coming days but i think it's maybe a little illuminating that he has not been in a game yet um since that point but but we'll see i, th- I think phillips is incredibly talented and i think he if, if he can have a really hot month he can definitely work his way onto the postseason roster there's a lot of spots that are going to be up for grabs and you know at this point the red sox have a very comfortable lead hopefully and um they've kind of cruising in here to october despite the houston astros series that it, this is what we're going to be paying attention to which what who's going to take these roster spots that's the most compelling storyline But now we're actually going to shuffle here to the Red Sox versus the Astros. We're going to break down this series. Um, So the Astros beat the Red Sox 6-3 on Friday. Uh, David Price, he pitched very well in this game. Six and one-third innings, two walks, ten punch-outs. That's what I like to see. Two earned runs. Um, Xander Bogarts hit his 20th homer of the 2018 season. But the bullpen... The bullpen, that which has been the cause of strife almost year-long, uh, 
they kind of they kind of blew it. Ryan Brazier, who uh, again, the, Ryan Brazier's been awesome for, throughout the season, and um, since he got the call, he had a very rough outing. He went a third inning and gave up an earned run. People were losing their losing their minds over Ryan Brazier. It was kind of on Twitter at least. People were kind of criticizing him, which was kind of unwarranted. But we, we might talk about that a little more had nauseam. Um, Joe Kelly, he went an inning and he gave up three earned runs. It was it was just an ugly performance from the bullpen. Red Sox did not start off this series well. Uh, Dave, what were your thoughts on this game? So obviously you got to love to see Price come out and pitch as well as he did against the Astros. Um Obviously, you know, the last time he faced a really good team, it was the Indians. He pitched eight shutout innings. So everyone who says Price can't beat good teams, um, you're wrong. And it was a bad take to begin with, but now it's a really, really bad take. David Price is pitching fantastically. He's been really the ace the teams needed him to be ever since Sale's been out with the inflamed shoulder. So if you get Sale back, which we are getting Sale back, um, you get Price going good, You that's a phenomenal one-two punch heading into the playoffs you have to feel good about that what you don't feel as good about is the bullpen um anyone getting mad at brazier for that one outing don't get mad at brazier he's had a fantastic season it's physically impossible to keep a zero era over an entire year so brazier was just due to get hit that happens the dude is like a one six era you know you can't really complain about that what you can complain about is Joe Kelly in the eighth. It was interesting to me to see us turn to him. I mean, I get he did that earlier in the season. Barnes has the hip injury, so he wasn't pitching. I get that, but if, is Joe Kelly really the second best pitcher we have in the bullpen right now? I don't think he is. What I would have done is um, I would have used Hembry to get out of the jam earlier because he's been really good with inherited runners. That's probably been the one thing Brazier struggled with this season. I would have used Henry to get out of the seventh, Brazier in the eighth, Kimbrell to the ninth. I think if Corey did that, we're not having this conversation right now. Yeah, I agree. Maybe he could have brought in Bobby Pointer. We'll also talk about Bobby Pointer later in this episode. Um, yeah, that was weird that they Use Joe Kelly in the eighth, I guess. Uh, Matt Barnes' his injury, he's out indefinitely with the hip soreness, which we'll also talk about in a second. Um, that really thinned the Red Sox bullpen out. In terms of Ryan Brazier, I would like to go on the record and say, like, I, in the beginning of the season when he was doing what he was doing, I was not an adamant believer, but he is. He turned my head. Like, even despite the struggle, his ERA is like 170. His fielding independent pitching, which is more predictive, especially in the small sample he has worked with, is like around 270, which is awesome. Ryan Brazier is one of the better relievers on this team he's one of the more consistent this year and he's going to be vital for this bullpen going forward so don't take this one outing and kind of crucify him because he's been very important and he'll probably continue to be important hopefully um in terms of usage yeah i gosh the bullpen's so thin right now so we'll see um but yeah can you can you talk to me a little bit more about matt barnes's injury dave and what that means for the red sox yeah, so Barnes has been really one of our best relievers for the grand majority of the season. He started struggling in August. Um, he had a really bad month of August. And then the next thing you know, we're talking about an indefinite hip injury. If Barnes is gone for the for the playoffs, like the entirety of the playoffs, this bullpen gets a lot weaker. Uh, anyone who listens to the podcast or follows my writing knows that I don't think the bullpen is bad. I actually think it's a pretty decent unit not on scale with our offense our starting pitching but it's certainly good but if Barnes goes down that makes the bullpen considerably weaker 
Um, so hopefully we can have him back. I'm kind of worried, but not really, because they say, you know, there's no timetable for Barnes's return. But the fact is, he's still, like Corey didn't say, we're not having him for the playoffs. It's just sort of a wait-and-see type thing. And this was something Barnes was pitching through earlier in the year, so it sounds like if he really needed to, I'm talking like really needed to, like postseason stuff, he probably could pitch. So I, I expect him to be back. My problem, my biggest question is just how effective will he be when he comes back? Yeah, and I think that's a very valid question you raised because he's been struggling a little bit recently. I don't know if that's attributed to the injury, but there's kind of an overlap here that kind of makes you question whether if, if there is something that affected his performance, and that's why he's had the struggles of late. But before this, even as a spite of the struggles, you could make a very valid argument that Matt Barnes has been the best Red Sox reliever this season. He's got a 1.3 war, which is incredible for a reliever. That's right on par with Craig Kimbrell. His era, he's been striking out more guys than Craig Kimbrell. He's striking out more guys than Craig Kimbrell. That is impressive. That is great. And, it, and it's very unfortunate because, yeah, you said the Red Sox bullpen is not as bad as people think. Like, by the numbers, they're actually one of the maybe a top 10 unit. But it does feel a lot more thin with Matt Barnes. And this might be just a feeling, but it it kind of feels like there's not that put-away guy. And you don't necessarily need that put-away guy when you have a bullpen. It's overblown, and it's more it's kind of like a mental projection anyway. But it still it still sucks to see Matt Barnes go down and make this group even thinner. But, you know, we'll get, we'll get some of the people who... Um, from the rotation going to the bullpen postseason time, which should lengthen it out and make it stronger than it already is. So we'll see. Um, Dustin Bedroya, that's another guy. Uh, speaking along the line of injuries, Dustin Bedroya has not really been a member of the Red Sox this year. He made a brief cameo. I think he played in three or four games. He played against the Braves in like late May, early June, right around when Hanley Yeah, Ramirez, three games. Yeah, he played three games right in, it was like the time Hanley Ramirez got released. Um, but Dustin Bedroya, the news came that he is actually out for the remainder of this season. Uh, Dave, let me get your thoughts on that. Yeah, so I would have been astonished if he wasn't out for the entire year because, you know, he came in, um, he came back in late May, early June. He has those three games and he's immediately back on the DL. They put him on the 60. And even at the time when it happened, they basically said, this is probably it for Dustin Pedroia in 2018. And I'm glad they're doing this. I'm glad they're not trying to rush him back as soon as he can possibly get back because a guy like Pedroia, he just plays with, 110 percent he doesn't ever let up even if he's really stupid for not doing that and a guy of his build he's like five eight two like maybe 150 pounds he's a really small guy he weighs more than 150 but he's really small so he really has kind of broken down over the years i want him as healthy as he can possibly be for 2019 so that he can helps contribute to the team as much as he can he's still a good second baseman when he's healthy it's just keeping him healthy has been really hard to do lately no i'm in the same exact boat as you with this um i would have been shocked if he tried to make a comeback in september make the postseason roster i think this is best for all parties i don't think he would have been playing at 100 percent. obviously i don't have information on his timetable health wise but he's been this has just been a chronic thing it's been plaguing him all year long it's good that he's going to just get this reprieve and just start on recovering and focusing for the 2019 season the red sox i feel like at this point have enough infield depth anyway where they could uh 
kind of recover from this. They have all season, obviously. But, um, yeah, it sucks that Pedroia is not going to be a member of the postseason roster. It feels weird thinking that the Red Sox are going to be making the postseason and Pedroia is not an integral piece of that. That just seems weird for me, especially, like, at being as young as I am and having grown up with Dustin Pedroia as, like, the heart and soul of every Red Sox playoff team. It's going to be interesting to see this uh, this new wave. But, yeah, I, I think this was for the best, and I'm wishing Petey a speedy recovery and hope he can be the Red Sox starting every day second baseman in 2019 because you know 2016 while it seems like a long time ago he had a hell of a season and I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility if we get a healthy Pedroia so we'll see how that develops obviously we have no timetable or no information about that um, but yeah this was this was expected news to say the least also JD Martinez just hit a sacrifice fly for the Boston Red Sox to left field scoring Mookie Betts and the Red Sox take a two to one lead so that's good we're on a good start it's the fourth inning I think so uh, go Red Sox we are hopefully we can take one against the Astros here um, in any case now let's break down the second game of the Red Sox Astros se- uh, ga- uh, game of the series um, the Astros beat the Red Sox five to three um, yeah, the Red Sox scored three runs in the first and second game of the series. And Eduardo Rodriguez went three and one-third, five earned runs, four strikeouts, and three walks. Not his best start. Definitely disappointing because he had an amazing start against the White Sox, which is his first since the disabled list. He was killing it. This was definitely a step back, I think, um, but it was against a killer lineup, so everyone has these starts. Uh, Xander Bogarts, he went three for four, and he had his 21st home run. I don't know if it was last podcast or the podcast before, um, but we were talking about is Xander Bogarts having his best season ever, and will he tie his home run, which like his season high in home runs, which was 21 before this season. He's at 21 because he's hit a home run in the first game of the series and a second game of the series. So good for Xander Bogarts. Bogarts has been, while the Red Sox lineup has not been great the past two days, I mean, it's against a really tough pitching staff and all that, but Xander Bogarts has been just on fire and it's wow Bogarts is just his slugging percentage is north of 500 is on base but he this is his best offensive season by far he's got 131 WRC plus I believe beating his previous high of 114 or, or 114 so yeah good good for Xander Bogarts here and this was a big game of uh, the bullpen you know this is the much maligned bullpen this is the uh bullpen that's been talked about very poorly um they pitched five scoreless innings after eduardo rodriguez could not get it done the bullpen got it done brandon workman uh he pitched one and two thirds pointer pitched two innings thornberg pitched two innings and now that i said five innings i think it's four and a two 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 thirds innings i don't i don't know my math might be wrong there they they went five and two thirds five and two thirds inning that's what it was oh yeah yeah okay that makes sense math is hard for me but yeah the red Sox bullpen really shut them down um dave give me your thoughts on this game yeah so um this is what happens it's like people when people only focus on the bad outings every bullpen in the league has outings where they give out runs but this bullpen is also capable of shutting down the reigning world series champs for five point two innings when the starter gets shelled they did it yesterday the reason we lost yesterday was because eddie had a rough start and the offense just couldn't get it done if you can limit the Houston Astros to five runs. You've done, the pitching has done its job that's on the offense moving forward. I loved what I saw out of the bullpen as far as, you know, Brandon Workman, he led his inherited runner score, but he was put in a really tough situation to begin with. So, I mean, it's kind of his fault, but I put that a lot more on Eddie than I do Workman. Bobby Pointer was just fantastic. 
Um, and Tyler Thornburg, he pitched. Um, I think he pitched an inning and a half. I think he did two innings. Two innings, I think. I think he went two whole innings. Yeah, I think so. I'm 95% sure. Yeah, he went. Yeah, two two full yesterday, and he did an inning before that, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. And um, you know, two scoreless, three scoreless innings. Um, really never got into trouble in any of them. So I'm glad to see that out of Thornburg. At this point, to me, he's still a. He's still uh, fighting an uphill battle to get on the postseason roster, but he has the potential to be one of the better arms. I wouldn't count on him to reach that potential this year, but you, you got to be happy with any signs of encouragement you see. Yeah, for sure. And I think Tyler Thornburg was a big reason the Red Sox decided they did not need to get someone at the trade deadline for their bullpen because they believed in that potential. Um, and this is encouraging, but the whole season has kind of been wishy-washy for him. We'll see if he makes the postseason roster. We'll see if he shows signs of improvement because the stuff is there. There's no doubt in my mind. We'll see if he'll be able to put it together. Um, but did this Eduardo Rodriguez uh, start concern you at all, Dave? Was there anything that you noticed from him in this one? Um, well, yeah, I was hoping, you know, he, I saw him rehab in Portland. He was fantastic. He had all his stuff. Obviously we all saw the shit. We all saw the Chicago game. He was amazing. But then the Houston one came and he wasn't. And it's been an uncomfortable trend for Eddie where anytime he faces big, like, you know, playoff caliber teams, he seems to struggle with them top offenses, which of course is natural. If you face better teams, you're going to give up more runs. But with Eddie, the struggles are a lot more pronounced. So that's a little bit of reason for worry. Um, as far as when you're setting up a postseason rotation, he's obviously in it. Um, it's going to be sale and price one and two. And then you could make an argument for you. Do you want Rex Porcello number three or do you want Eddie number three? And I think that's going to be something to monitor because in a lot of ways, Eddie and Porcello are exact opposites. Porcello has pitched really well this year against the good teams, but just gets shelled by the bad ones, whereas Eddie's been great against the gr- the bad teams, and he struggled a little bit against the good ones. So it'll be an interesting situation to monitor forward. Yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting situation to monitor forward. I actually wrote in the Daily Dose of Socks about this. I I was in the same boat as you. I was like, is Eduardo Rodriguez going to be the third, or is he going to be the fourth starter? What's going to happen here? Rick Porcello is pitching well against the Astros, so um, that's a leg up for him right now. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez did not. I think if Rodriguez continues to pitch... I thought this was a rough one, but if he pitches semi-well, I mean, it's all going to be dependent on what happens in September. Obviously, we can't predict, but it's going to be close. Eduardo Rodriguez does not go deep into games. Rick Porcello goes very deep into games. You said that already, um, but on a rate basis, Rodriguez is better, and he has been better this year. So it's going to be interesting to see these guys vie it. And again, we're really focused on these playoff spots because that's what really matters right now for the Boston Red Sox um, mid-September, early September. Where well, What was it, September 9th? Yeah, that's, that's early, I guess. Um, but Bobby Pointer. So you guys are probably familiar with Bobby, Bobby Pointer. Pointer. Bobby Pointer. Okay, so Bobby Pointer, a little history, a little backstory. Um, Bobby Pointer was my guy out of spring training. I saw him pitch. I was in love with everything he brought to the table. I was calling for Bobby Pointer to make the opening day roster, and he did. And then he went back down, and he's been like shuttled between this 
bullpen carousel between triple a and, and major leagues all year and when he's gotten in, into the big leagues he's pitched incredibly well his era sub two um in triple a wasn't as impressive he had a 314 era which was good but his underlying stuff he had a 389 fip and 448 xfip and 43 triple a innings which kind of is cause for concern for me um but since he's arrived back in the majors six strikeouts five and two-thirds innings one walk one earned run dave are you buying into the bobby pointer train Yes, I absolutely am, and I want to go on record and say I was into Bobby Pointer before it was cool, because it is a Red Sox unfiltered podcast. I'm going to mention the fact I see a lot of Sea Dogs games. I saw Pointer pitch in uh, back before he made his jump to the minors in 27 to the majors in 2017, and I really liked him then. I didn't think he'd be this good this fast, but um, you know him making the opening day roster. I was really proud of him. I get why he was put back in Pawtucket. It's a bit of a numbers crunch. Not many of our relievers have options. He does, but he was really pitching great the first two, three or so weeks. He was up in the majors with us. He um, was put in high leverage situations, too. It wasn't like he was just handling mop-up duty. I remember, I think it was against the Rays a few times. He, um, Yeah, it was the Rays. One of the games yeah. went to extra innings. He pitched to, um, I believe he pitched the ninth and the tenth. I'm going off memory here. And they were both scoreless scoreless outings. And as we know now, the Rays turned into a pretty good team. So he was put in pretty big situations. He answered the call. You bring him back up, and he's doing the exact same thing now. And something that I think a lot of people are overlooking right now, if we're going into the postseason, who's our lefty arm? We really haven't used one this year. We've mostly just um, turned to one of the long arms, whether it's uh, Brian Johnson or whichever you know, starter turned bullpen arm we have in there at the moment, which is great. But, you know, I'd much rather, I'd like to give Pointer a try. He can get lefties and righties out, and he's a natural bullpen guy. We've seen from Johnson this year, he's a lot better in the rotation than he is a bullpen arm. So I think Bobby Pointer should um, definitely have the right to audition for a postseason role. It's very interesting that you bring up the left-hander point, that the Red Sox have not had a left-hander, a loogie, so to speak, throughout the year. I remember in the beginning of the season, Alex Cora came in, he's like, I, and the Red Sox had this concern early on, they're like, who the heck is going to be your left-handed specialist? And Alex Cora said, like, I don't really care much about platoon matchups, I'm trying to get the better guy who gives us a better chance to win. Um, as the season's progressed, I know he's supposed to be very adaptable, very flexible. That's good qualities in a manager. I wonder if this season has shown him, or the regular season has shown him, that maybe he should bring in a lefty specialist for the bullpen, especially like when you have those one-out games in the postseason. It kind of becomes more important than in the 162-game grind of the regular season. So that is interesting. That was a very interesting point you brought up. I think Bobby Pointer would be a very good candidate for that. Although I will pause here because, as I said, his AAA peripherals do not look as good. Um, every other peripheral and every other place he's ever been has looked amazing, but I don't know what happened in AAA. That that was weird for me. Um, so we'll see. I think Robbie Scott, who is like the ultimate loogie right there, that is your left. Robbie Scott is so good against lefties. His ERA is like sub two. His FIP is like sub two. But literally, it's only against lefties. Against righties, he's not a major league pitcher. But against lefties, he's like, he's so good. Um, I don't know if he's even appeared in a game yet since he's been called up, but he'd be an interesting candidate. I think he's been in one. He's been in one? 
Yeah, he might have been in one. Yeah. I, I might have missed it. But, yeah, Robbie Scott's an interesting candidate. If they do want to go that Lukey route um, to make the postseason, Bobby Pointer is better against everyone. Bobby Pointer's the better pitcher in general, even though he throws uh, under 90 miles per hour average on his fastball. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, around there. So, um, yeah, so I want to ask you something else about Blake Swihart since we're talking about these postseason roster situations. Um, Blake Swihart, do you think this might be a little – little weird question but do you think he's got a spot on the postseason roster um before i answer that i'm actually watching the bears packers right now and aaron Rodgers just went down so oh my god that is shocking i know this is a red sox podcast and wrong sport and naughty and wrong area but wow that's big yeah anyway so back to blake swihart yeah, I heard you say, oh, my God, and I was like, oh, my gosh, what's happening? Should I just continue here, or should I let him? Yeah, um, Khalil Mack, and uh, I think one of the other Bears linemen, it looks like it's Rodgers' knee. It, so it wasn't Khalil Mack good. again, was it? It was Khalil Mack again? Um, yeah, it was Mack. He's uh, limping off the field, but, you know, he's doing it on his own. So he's probably fine. But back to the Red Sox. Um, <laughs> Blake Swihart, I absolutely think he belongs on the postseason roster. And honestly, I don't see a way he doesn't make it. Right now, I see um, Blake's the best all-around catcher right now. He's obviously the best hitter. That's not up for the debate. But um, he's actually really impressed me with his defense this year when he's been behind the plate, especially um, his arm, more specifically his accuracy, because before he always had the rocket arm, but it was always anyone's guess as to where that ball was going to go anytime he released it. He's getting a lot better at putting it right where he wants it. It makes him a better defensive catcher, obviously. And he's keeping balls in front of him. I remember back 2015 when he uh, probably got called up earlier than he should have due to all the injuries to the catcher position that year. He was uh, any ball in the dirt. It was 50-50. It was going right past him or it was deflecting down the first baseline. He's done a much better job of keeping the ball in front of him. So I think he's your best all-around catcher. That said, Sandy's probably going to be the postseason roster. He can call a fantastic game. The other guys just, for whatever reason, cannot do that. I'm not a big catcher ERA guy, but Sandy's splits are just so much better than everyone else's that it's hard to ignore. So I think those are your two catchers in the postseason. Yeah, so I'm going to take a controversial take here. I'm not sure if Blake Swihart deserves to be on the postseason roster. And let me explain here before I uh, get jumped on by some people. Blake Swihart, he had, obviously, he had a tough beginning. He was not getting consistent at-bats. He had a high prospect pedigree. He started off the season asking for a trade. Once Hanley Ramirez left, he kind of got a bigger role, I guess. And then when Christian Vasquez went injured, that's when he really took off. In July, he had a great month hitting. It was His WRC Plus was like 140. But since he's returned from the disabled list, from since August 2nd through now, through September, whatever, 9th it is, he has a 32 WRC Plus. He is hitting like the May version of Blake Swihart. But I think a lot of people are holding on to this July version. His WRC Plus on the year is 56. Now, I know he has the most potential in that bat, but where is it like he's not hitting very well i am impressed with his pinch running because he's a speedster blakey blaze he's fast his defense has been better and he's versatile so i think he does have a spot on this roster but everyone's heralding this bat and i really have not seen it except for one month and 30 something plate appearances and in this month from august 2nd to september 9th he's struck out 28 percent of the time and he's walked three percent of the time now those numbers stabilize a lot 
faster in that short of a sample. So my problem with Blake Swihart not only comes for the fact that result-wise he isn't hitting, but the underlying number suggests that, hey, maybe we should pause here because we've really only had one month of data that shows he can hit. Where's the other months been? So I'm not convinced that Blake Swihart has a spot. And I actually, you know, I think Swihart probably does We'll, we'll get a spot and maybe he deserves it. I just don't think he's as good as a hitter as people are hyping him up to be. And I don't think he's as good as a, I don't, th- I think he's close to being around the level of Sandy Leone and um, Christian Vasquez with this stick. That may be very controversial. Um, and I may not make a lot of friends, but even like the underlying numbers, they don't really support the fact that Blake Swihart has that uh, offensive potential. And Dave, you didn't know I was going to go on this diatribe against Blake Swihart, so I'll let you rebuke my statement in any way, shape, or form you see fit. Yeah, so I'm officially going to lead a mutiny here. I own the uh, Red Sox Unfiltered, (laughs) just the entire site now. It's mine. You've lost the right to it. I I understand. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I get that Blake Swihart has been slumping. I didn't realize it was that drastic. Those numbers do kind of speak yeah. a little bit. But my counter for that is at least Blake Swihart has the potential to hit. Is that potential there in Christian Vasquez? Absolutely not. No. Um, and it's not like Vasquez has been that much better a defender this year. It's been sort of a mess. He's kind of been all over the place. He still struggles calling a game. He's roughly about the same with Swihart in that regard. But I don't think this year, speaking solely this year, I don't think Vasquez has the... Uh, on the Twilight does. I think they're roughly about the same at blocking balls in the dirt. So I I keep the guy that's roughly the same defensive caliber and get the guy that could theoretically hit better. So I'm sticking with Blake and Sandy. Yeah, I still think Blake has more value than Christian Vasquez and should probably be in the postseason roster. I just don't think he's really ever going to hit I don't know. I mean, especially, I mean, if he's a catcher and he's got a ADWRC plus, whatever, that's a huge improvement for the Red Sox catchers. But he's got a 56 WRC plus. I don't know what Sandy Leone's is. I haven't looked because I don't want to make myself sad, but I know it's around there. It's really bad. And I know Christian Vasquez isn't better. So, yeah, these guys, none of them, Red Sox catchers don't hit the baseball. And Blake Swihart is not an exception. But I love his base running. His defense has been impressive, as you said. And I think he's obviously he's more athletic than any of those guys so i think blake's my has a spot in this roster i just think the hype is a little overblown for some weird reason because he had a good month in july but we're gonna we're gonna move on here to another controversial question and this is actually our last segment of the episode but i wanted to ask you dave because this is a the astros obviously are the defending world champions they're a very very good team by base runs, they have a better record than the Red Sox. I think run differential is very close. I didn't look up, but which team is better, the Houston Astros or the Boston Red Sox, as currently assembled? All right, so I think they are about as equal as they can be. To me, they are far and away the two best teams in the league. Obviously, it's baseball, so anything can happen. But my right now, I think those two are the best teams in the league by a pretty fair margin. And it's really tough to say which team's better than the other. I think the Red Sox have a slightly better offense. Houston has a slightly better rotation. And they have roughly equal bullpens, maybe giving a slight nod to Houston there. Um, you know, it's really close. Uh, Correa and Altuve don't quite measure up to what Mookie and J.D. are. But at the same point, well, when you get Sale back, he matches Verlander pretty well. But the depth of the rotation in Boston isn't quite as good as the depth of the rotation in Houston. I think Houston has the best rotation in the majors, and by a pretty significant margin, that's just amazing what they have over there. 
So um, I'd say Houston by the narrowest of margins. But that said, if it's a seven-game series, I think it comes down to who has home field. No, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, this is a very tough question to answer. They're both very incredible teams. Um, by base, like I, again, I said by base runs, Astros are better. Run differential has been about the same, despite the fact that Red Sox have obviously a lot more wins than them. Um, rotation wise, advantage Astros. They have the best rotation in the league. I think even offensively, the Astros have been slightly better in terms of WRC plus as a team. I think they're at one sixteen. Red Sox are at one fourteen. I believe it's very close. It's marginal, so it's kind of a wash. And bullpen. Uh, I, I, I can't even tell you. I mean, the Red Sox have been struggling, but the Astros bullpen is very underutilized. It's not used very much. So I'm going to I'm gonna not... Uh, man, I'll, I'll take the Astros by the slightest of hairs, just like you, even though I don't feel good about that at all. I think it could be the Red Sox. Uh, it's going to be a coin flip if these two teams do play in the ALCS. If they play in the ALDS, they probably won't play in the ALDS. But if they play in the ALCS, uh, that'll be interesting to see. Um, which team will it prevail. will be such a disappointment if those teams don't meet up in the playoffs. Yeah, it'll be very disappointing. But like, could you imagine? It's like ALDS Red Sox had to face the Yankees out of the gate, and then they have to face the Astros in the ALCS. Like, that's going to be tough. But both those teams are going to be tougher than anyone they're going to have to play in the World Series right now. Yeah, I mean, I I have zero respect for the National League right now. Like, the um, the AL is going to be the playoff race to watch. I think you can make an argument for all five American League teams being better than every NL playoff team. So that's really going to be the fun one for me to watch. The World Series, you know, it's baseball. Anything can happen. But chances are whichever team comes out of the AL is just going to beat the crap out of the NL team in like four or five games. Yeah, playoffs are a crapshoot, so I don't know if that's true. I think it could be anyone, And but the American League is better. They, the, they have the juggernauts. They have the super teams. I actually like the National League better, even though the Red Sox reside in the American League. And, you know, obviously this is a Red Sox podcast, so you can guess where my allegiance lies. But the National League has so much more parity. Like, there's like seven or eight teams in it in the last month or the last month of the season. It's been compelling all year long. There's not a lot of separation. There's a bunch of teams fighting for postseason. It's interesting and fun to watch in the last month where as the American League, this was decided by like late July. This was decided by like June, which teams were going to make the playoffs. It's not that interesting. I know we have the behemoths, but it's not it's not that compelling. Um, yeah. So, Dave, this is actually going to do it for the twenty second episode of the Red Sox Unfiltered podcast. Do Do you have any departing thoughts for our listeners? All right. So, my departing thought. Uh, back on uh, Packer Watch here. Deshaun Kaiser was warm up on the sidelines. The Packers are about to take the field, and I have the TV muted. So I don't know if they said anything about Rodgers' status, but it looks like Kaiser's going to be playing a little bit. So uh, if you're a Packer fan out there, have fun with that. And I also just looked at a tweet that came on my phone from Adam Schefter, who's reporting that Aaron Rodgers is being carted to the locker room or escorted to the locker room. So that's an update for you. I, dude, I don't have a Red Sox-related departing thought. It's really sad what happened with Michael Kopech will be down with Tommy John surgery, obviously ex-heralded Red Sox prospect. You hate to see that. We wish him a speedy recovery, and hopefully he'll be ready, probably not till 2020, but very talented guy, um, wishing him nothing but the best in his recovery, and I hope the White Sox do something soon. 
I don't know. They've, they've been in a rebuild for a very long time. I feel bad for them. But yes, you can listen to this episode and other Red Sox Unfiltered episodes on numerous platforms, including iTunes, SoundCloud, and through our Grilling Truth partners, you can find us on SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. we got a lot of places for you guys to listen. As always, thank you for listening to this episode, and I think it's 2-1 to one Red Sox right now. Hopefully we pull it off, and uh, as always, go Red Sox.